Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Hello and welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. This is Tom Barber, Extension Weed Scientist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Uh, today, for this episode of the podcast, I've invited one of our graduate students, uh, Lou Adams is his name, to join me and discuss his work with Italian ryegrass. Uh, Lou, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, so, I uh, grew up in the Mississippi Delta and got my bachelor's degree from Mississippi State in agronomy in 2019. <clears throat> and then from there, went on to pursue a master's degree at Mississippi State as well, looking at soybean agronomics under the soybean specialist, Dr. Trent Irby. And then after I grad graduated there in 2021 in April, I immediately jumped right into a PhD with the University of Arkansas. And we began immediately looking at collecting ryegrass samples throughout the state to um, help determine the type of herbicide resistance we have throughout the state and what parts of the state that we do have resistance. Yeah, Lou, and we're glad to have you over here. Glad to have you on this project. This is a, you know, the ryegrass issue, the Italian ryegrass issue in Arkansas has really exploded over the last five years, really. It's been a problem uh, just across the river from Greenville for much longer than that, 10 years probably plus. But uh, we've seen this issue really take over the eastern side of the state from north to south. I don't think anybody is, uh, you, you know, uh, not affected. I don't think anybody's not affected by this uh, by this issue right now. And we were getting a lot of questions uh, about ryegrass control and better ways to manage it. And so, you know, the first thing when you came on board, you and I talked and it had been 10 or let's see, 10 or 11 years, I guess, since the last screening had taken place. And at that time, uh, glyphosate resistant Italian ryegrass was starting to spread a little bit. Um, and one of Bob Scott's uh, program associates actually uh, did some of that work. So I think I want to start off talking about the recent screening that you've done and and let's just tell everybody some of the preliminary results that you've seen up to this point and where you've taken your samples and that kind of thing. So right now I've gathered samples throughout the Delta, the South Delta, Central Delta, and the North Delta as well. And right now I've made it through the majority of the South Delta and Central Delta, and I'm starting to work on the North Delta now. But from the results that I've gotten so far across the board, we've seen a We've seen a strong level of resistance to glyphosate with majority of our sessions, as well as we've seen a significant amount of imazomox resistance. And we have not confirmed clethodem resistance yet in the state, but we ha I have discovered a few populations um, that we've screened that we suspect to be resistance at, to be resistant. And for, Adding on to that, to glyphosate, mazamox, and clethodim, we're also screening paraquat. And so there have been a couple of um, cases where across, um, 
in the U.S. where they've discovered paraquat resistance with it being possibly in Louisiana and for sure in North Carolina. So with that, with that, with knowing that knowledge, with having that knowledge, we need to look throughout our state and screen for whether or not we, we have paraquat resistance as well, because that's been a popular product to use in controlling ryegrass. Right. That is definitely uh, one of our go-tos a lot of times in the spring. Uh, and just to back up a little bit, just for our listeners that aren't, aren't aware. And so the, the, the idea behind this is look at different mode of actions in this screening, right? And so the glyphosate resistance we kind of suspected was fairly widespread. It's really widespread. I think for the most part, everybody's dealing with that. The imazomox that you mentioned, that's our ALS inhibitor. And, um, you know, we expected, we've seen those populations in wheat fields especially be resistant to our ALS herbicides. We really didn't know how that would carry over into some of the, the ryegrass that's moving in from the, the sides of the field or the road ditches in that area. Uh, but it does look like there's a significant amount, uh, especially in the, the sessions you've seen so far or screened so far that, that has some resistance to that. Um, you know, we, we figured we had some tolerance to clethodim or maybe some resistance to that uh, specific herbicide. Most of y'all uh, that are listening uh, probably know, but clethodim is select. And so uh, we use a lot of select in our burn down programs for ryegrass now, but it looks like some of these populations in South Arkansas or Southeast Arkansas, especially um, may be resistant to, uh, to that. So that's not good. And, you know, the reason this is important, Lou, because it kind of tells you what we have left. And if we're talking about Southeast Arkansas, Paraquat may be the, one of the only things we have left to, to control those populations down there at this point. Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit about uh, some of the other projects you have going on. Tell us, uh, you know, give us a little bit of more info on that. So in addition to the screening, one of the, one of the things that we're really trying to focus on is trying to figure out when this ryegrass is really emerging because in order to kill it, we want to try and kill it when it's as small as possible. That's when it's the easiest to kill and we'll get the best results from our uh, investment on herbicides. And so from there, if we can essentially figure out when this ryegrass is emerging and kill that first flush, then we're going to be a lot better off going into the spring as opposed to leaving that first flush untreated and our data has really showed that as well as we have looked at we have a fall residual experiment where we have three different timings that will apply fall residuals so with that being as i say fall residuals i mean your warrant or dual and then mixing those with a, a tank mix with uh, select. And so from there, we had an October, November, and December application timings for those. And from there, we saw that really beginning anywhere from mid-November to December, we saw our best results um, with successful control into March prior to planting. And so that that's very significant as as you look at some of these fields where we applied these these uh treatments they were they were full of ryegrass and so for you to be able to apply that residual in the fall and 
be able to make it into the into the springtime with a clean field, that's a that's a big big win for for um for us in trying to control this Italian ryegrass. So with our October timing, we saw that we got some we got good control 28 days after that October application timing. However, going into March when we rated it again, we saw that that control decreased. And from there, I think it's safe to say that we applied it a little too early and there was enough time for ryegrass to emerge in that, during that mild winter and give us problems moving into March. Yeah, and, and when we talk about ryegrass emergence, you know, and I, I worked on ryegrass back when I was in graduate school 20-some-odd years ago, however long ago that was. But uh, what we found, and this was in wheat. Uh, I did mine in wheat, not just the fall fallow or whatever. But if we could kill that first flush of ryegrass, we, you know, we could kind of get over the hump. That was our big flush, the very first one. We had multiple flushes generally every year, but seems like if we could get that first one, uh, we could definitely uh, bring the, the populations down to a manageable level uh, or the ryegrass amount down to a manageable level. Uh, what's interesting about some of the work you did last fall is because our winter was so weird, uh, I mean, our, some days in December were in into the 70 middle 70s, you know, degree range, maybe up to 80. I can't remember if it got up to 80 or not, but I, I do remember our December on average was warmer than, than uh, you know, we we were at Easter, I think. And so um, when we see fluctuations in temperature like that, that's really what uh, we believe initiates another flush of this ryegrass uh, or triggers another emergence period uh, or timing for this ryegrass. So just like you say, no, none of us know what the weather's going to be, right? But right. we do know that fall residuals are the key moving forward. At least that's what uh, we've seen with our uh, counterparts in Mississippi that have dealt with this for so long. Uh, Jason Bond, uh, I was looking the other day, I had him over talking 10 years ago at the crop management conference about putting out fall residuals for ryegrass. And out of all of his work, the, the fall residual is definitely the best way to manage the, the level of ryegrass population that we have right now. But timing is so critical. If we put that out too early, it's just like you mentioned, if we put it out too early, uh, it's going to break down earlier. And therefore, those later flushes of ryegrass are going to be able to come up and we'll have to deal with them in the spring. Whereas if we time it a little later with an effective herbicide to kill the ryegrass that's up, then uh, most likely that residual herbicide is going to last us through till March and, and uh, be able to control those other flushes. And so I think that's key moving forward uh, when we look at uh, managing this issue. Number one, we have to know what works to kill it. But number two, we have to take a proactive approach to putting out these residual herbicides uh, with, most of the time they need to be paired with a post-emergence herbicide to take out the existing existing stand. And so uh, your work's gonna tell us where we can or can't use select for that most likely or clethodin uh, and where we need to move to paraquat predominantly as, uh, as our burn down uh, herbicide. So 
Uh, anything else that you're working on that you'd like to uh, discuss with us today? So we mentioned how few options that we have for controlling this ryegrass. So one of the other options that we that we're looking at is incorporating a cover crop in the fall, and with and that cover crop that we use was cereal rye. So we planted cereal rye. We have we have it drilled and broadcasted. And we're gonna we have different planting dates with that, and we're gonna evaluate and see how how well that can control our ryegrass. In addition to applying a group fifteen herbicide on to that cover crop to see if we can get some residual control and then also evaluate the effects that that, that, that residual herbicide may have on our cr cover crop. Cause it's important to, to explore all the, all the different options that we can as we're losing options, many options, you know, as we develop herbicide resistance, it's important to have these different options that we can go to in order to control this particular weed as as you know because controlling it with the same with your same management practices year after year is going to help build up that resistance so having different options really helps us in fighting that buildup of herbicide resistance as well as successfully managing the weed absolutely and i and i think uh you know that in the in the future, especially cover crops, I believe are going to become increasingly important as we deal with Palmer amaranth or pigweed populations that have become more resistant to our herbicides that we have available to use uh, to control it. And so, you know, if cover crops going to be a, a big management tool for us in the future, we have to figure out how to use a cover crop effectively without building up heavy populations of Italian ryegrass within that cover crop for the winter. And so I think your your work on that is going to be critical moving forward to let us know, number one, does the cover crop actually help us with ryegrass? But number two, uh, if it doesn't, how do we keep the ryegrass out of it in order to use it and for it to be a benefit uh, where we have uh, heavy pigweed infestations? And so, uh, you know, you mentioned options and the multiple options. Um, we do have a ryegrass section in the MP44 uh, in the old version, or I'm sorry, in the, this is the 2022 version. Uh, it's on page 22, and it's at the top of page 22, and there's several listed there. All of these are residual herbicides, and then right below that top section, there's a list of three uh, herbicide or herbicide combinations, really, that are the most effective from a post-emergence standpoint. And when we talk about fall applications, it's been my experience in dealing uh, with consultants and growers and and uh, and dealers or distributors. I mean, nobody really wants to spend money or more money in the fall because it's the end of our cropping cycle. We're, we're harvesting the crop. Uh, we don't want to think about spending money that time of year. We want to think about, you know, how much money we have left over after everything's paid for. But but really, if you've got a bad ryegrass, and I've talked to a lot of people about this in the last couple of weeks, if you've got a bad ryegrass infestation, you know, we need to start planting now uh, because within the next month, month and a half, that's when our timing is most likely going to be when we need to get, get those products out, especially from uh, a residual standpoint. And so when I look at page 22, again, this is in the MP44, top of the page. 
you know, the residuals that are labeled uh, as of right now that we recommend dual magnum, uh, Zidua, the radon dual, it's, they're all listed in there. I would not put less than a pint and a third of dual magnum out. If uh, if you're going after ryegrass, I'd rather have a pint and a half there of that. Zidua, the minimum rate is going to be three and a quarter ounces of the Zidua SC. And Anthem Flex is listed right under that. Basically, those two products are very similar. Uh, both have peroxisulfone that acts on the pigweed. Uh, Boundary, we do have a label for Boundary, a pint and a half to two pints per acre. And then most recently, we have a 24C again this year for Command. And out of all the products uh, I just mentioned, Command is the only one that's labeled if we're going to be planting rice in the spring. And so uh, that 24C for Command uh, really is basically allowing applications on a heavier soil type, but we are working on uh, getting silt loams added to that. The rate range does re uh, reflect the silt loam soil uh, somewhat in the on the label. The 16 ounces we've looked at a couple of years now uh, on a silt loam soil is very effective on ryegrass control. What we don't know is, you know, on those lighter soils, if we use that in the fall and we come back with more command in the spring, we're trying to figure out if we need to adjust that rate a little bit in the spring to, to uh, from a rice injury standpoint. Uh, so that's really the only question we're trying to figure out now on that. But command is very effective on ryegrass. If you've got a rice field that's heavily infested, that's the product of choice uh, on those acres. Again, we, you know, the others that you select, you need to know what crop we're planting. Just what I said, boundary, you're going to be uh, restricted to planting corn or beans in the spring. The rest, Anthem, Zidua, Dual, uh, we can go to, to cotton, beans, corn, uh, any of those three. So uh, peanuts, if we need to do that. So again, check out page 22 of the MP44. That'll give you the residuals. I have been getting a lot of questions about time of application, and there is a column there, and it says in that column, apply by November 1. That is not a label restriction. That's just a recommendation uh, to have them out by the end. Uh, some of Lou's work, as long as we're pairing it with a good post-emergence herbicide, like Select, if Select is working, or Paraquat, uh, and get good coverage, we can take out that existing population and then give us a residual barrier. Uh, the later we can do that probably in the fall, the longer it's going to last. So that no, usually by November 1, we've had a temperature shift where our daytime highs are generally not as hot and it's not going to break the herbicide down as fast. And so uh, the temperature and the microbial activity and everything, the, the herbicide is not going to break down as quickly. So uh, we need to find that uh, sweet spot, I guess, in the forecast. But definitely, if you go out the middle of October, a lot of times it's going to be too early to catch all the flushes with these uh, with these residuals. Um, Lou, anything to add with that? You've seen some of this residual work. Um, I, one thing I think I'd like to add is that just adding on to you know some of the or the importance of having these different options is like this past year where we had a lot of uncertainty in the herbicide market due to availability or pricing. And so with select being one of those products. So for us to be able to 
look at these different options and understand that we do have different products that we can control ryegrass with will help us going into the future, I think, tremendously. And and the thing with this fall residual herbicide, in my opinion, is this is gonna be um this is gonna be something that is gonna apply to, you know, a field by field basis. Cause you're gonna have some fields, you know, that are with with a with large populations of ryegrass across the entire field. Whereas other fields, you know, you'll just have a couple pockets here and there, maybe on the edge of the field. And so with that being said, there's a there's there's gonna be a, a, a point to where applying that herbicide, you know, you might be losing money on that herbicide as opposed to what your your return might be on that investment. So with with that, another aspect of my project will be incorporating um some of these economics into these different treatments that we've applied to put a dollar amount to try and put a dollar amount on the cost of each one of these treatments and incorporate that with with how much control or return you might get from that from that investment on your herbicide absolutely and you know and i think we've talked about this in some of your work too and i know you took some drone imagery last year but you know, if, uh, just by using, you know, we're wondering if we use drone imagery from the year before, can that kind of pinpoint areas where the ryegrass is going to be worse than other areas? And like you say, it moves in from the side of the field a lot of times, from the road ditches. Uh, and so, you know, spending the money where we actually have the problem is is going to be beneficial in the future. Um, and As well as knowing what products will work. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to know which ones will work. And where that ryegrass is uh, the heaviest, and that'll help us save a little money. And uh, we definitely don't know that we don't want to plant corn into that. Again, there's a lot of data in the coming out of Mississippi about planting into existing ryegrass, and uh, even if you kill it, it appears that you know that ryegrass can still have an effect on your cash crop that spring, as far as stand, uh, seed soil contact with your seed, you know, can affect the stand. Uh, there can be some uh, stunning involved through uh, competition uh, there with a lot of, uh, if you have a lot of dead carcasses or half dead carcasses. So, um, you know, it can be detrimental to plant into. And we saw a lot of crops planted into it uh, this past year. But uh, what else, Lou? Um, well, in addition to the, to the, screening and our fall residual as well as our cover crop timing we also have another um mechanical weed control tool that we have looked at and that's the uh seed destructor which it which is a product that will attach on the back of your that you can attach on the back of the combine and essentially as you're harvesting wheat that ryegrass seed will be essentially the same height as the head of the wheat and so you harvest that ryegrass seed with your wheat seed and as it goes through the combine it'll separate that that out and it will send it into the mill in the back which is a high-speed mill that will essentially destroy that seed and almost turn it into dust and throw it and throw it out the back of the combine as opposed to 
just throwing that seed out the back of the combine and where it can become a problem the next year. And we've seen good – there's been some other work done on, on the same product, and we've seen that it has the ability to to kill that weed seed. But the issue is that we've seen is that ryegrass could potentially be shattered prior to that harvest of your wheat. So we're working with that and trying to figure out exactly how much power that seed destructor is pulling from your combine and how much fuel it's having to use. So those are the type of questions that we're trying to answer with that aspect of my project. And that's just, that'll just add on to another option that we could possibly use in controlling these populations of ryegrass. Yes. And that, you know, I know there was a lot of interest in wheat too, as the prices went up, I don't really know how much we'll actually plant, but I know midsummer there was a lot of questions about uh, wheat and getting ground ready for wheat uh, this fall. So that may be an option in, in some of our wheat fields, uh, an important option for sure uh, in the future. So, well, all right. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of work to do in the next couple of years to, to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, right? That's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's good. Um. Uh, I guess that about wraps it up for me. You have anything else you want to want to talk about? Um, I think that's I think I'm good. Okay, all right. Well, again, we're glad to have you in Arkansas. Glad to have you working on this project, and I appreciate you spending a uh, little time with us today to talk about it on the podcast. And look forward to hearing the results, so you can tell us what we need to do in the future to manage this problem. We yes, sir. Thank you for having me. You bet, you bet. Uh, I just want to remind everybody again, if you want to look at that section in the MP44, it's on page 22, top of that. Um, you don't have to have it out by November 1. That's just an ex that's just a recommendation uh, to make sure we get ahead of some of these populations with your residual. Again, there's ryegrass present, which if you wait by then to put it out, there likely will be. Make sure you, you take mix of select or paraquat or a paraquat uh plus boundary something like that uh also we have some fact sheets that deal with ryegrass id and, and control so the most recent one is uh fact sheet 2191 basically if you just go to our website that's uada.edu and type in management of italian ryegrass in the search bar you should be able to find it i just found it that way uh about 20 minutes ago uh, so that's the easiest way for me to find it as well. But it's fact sheet 2121 uh, has the most recent updates and management uh, programs for ryegrass in, in Arkansas. And just want to thank again, thanks to Lou and thanks to everybody listening to this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.